What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 11 of the Stay Locked In podcast. Our guest this week was Grayson Relentless Wells, the Havoc FC former heavyweight champ. We had a great conversation with Grayson. Uh, he's been in the fight game for almost 20 years, and he's got over 40 professional fights. It's fascinating to get the insight into what keeps driving him forward, and we talked a little bit about his training regimen as well. We hope you guys enjoy it. Man, I can't even imagine what it would be like seeing a guy who's 300 pounds. So what's the weight class that you guys are fighting? Uh, heavyweight has a 265 limit cap. So it's the 265 cap. Somebody yeah. that's got to cut down from 265. Yeah. So he's... The guy is like 6'5", walking around 300 pounds. Right. So, I mean, the most successful heavyweights that I've seen in the UFC, it seems like over the past couple of years, they've determined that guys that are carrying that much weight, like up at that upper echelon, 265, tend to be gassing out. And the more successful guys like Stipe, um, like even DC, um, mm-hmm. who is that Mexican guy that was fighting there? Velasquez. Kane Velasquez. Yeah. The same, like lighter heavyweights that have the gas tanks tend to be the ones that... Yeah, well, that was kind of part of my reason for moving up to heavyweight because I the next weight class down is 205. Mm-hmm. So I will usually walk around about 240. That's, so that, that was getting to be a pretty big cut, right? Right. And, you know, I got a little bit older. I'm like, holy man, 35 pounds is a lot of weight to cut. <laughs> so, but the reasoning behind that was that I didn't want to fight guys that were like, you know 265 270 right mm-hmm. so it was kind of a weird a weird uh spot for me to be but uh i took that paul i don't know if you remember i took that poliquin strength course yeah in, yeah in montreal right so i actually learned how to do a little bit of lifting for strength properly for a sport right and so after taking that course and then i applied what i learned i'm like okay well i'm just around the right almost as strong as a guy 265 uh-huh. but i can be 230 235 and use my speed i'm like i'm gonna see how that works right so i, I fought a couple of guys and i was surprised at the strength difference because when i cut when i used to cut to 205 i didn't knock anybody out mm-hmm. which was surprising i'm like why am i not knocking anybody out like i was winning <laughs> my whole life man i've been, yeah. knocking, I've been knocking, knocking guys out in the bar <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly right drunk guys are easier and uh so I wasn't knocking anybody out, and so I was like, oh, but it was the weight cut, right? Like, it wasn't long enough to me for me to uh, get some size back on and strength. So mm-hmm. so I moved up to heavyweight, and then I think I knocked out, like, the first three guys, like, in under a minute. Right. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect. So I used, was had some speed, but I still had power, right? Like, I mean, anybody over 200 pounds, even anybody over 180 pounds, if you know how to punch properly, mm-hmm. you're going to knock somebody out, right, if you landed on the money. So yeah. You find, like, I find that's what fighters do a lot of the time is they're typically sitting, like, their natural body type is something they can fight in a couple of different weight categories. Yeah. And you see over their career, they're kind of experimenting back and forth. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it should be said that you're sitting here with a fan of mixed martial arts. Somebody who's never actually yeah. had any fights. I trained Muay Thai for about nine months with a private coach. Oh, nice. And I've been continuing to do that a little bit more. Oh, cool. Um, just massively increased my appreciation for the sport. Like, my appreciation yeah. for mixed martial arts came from... It is the ultimate expression of human athleticism. Like, it's the yeah. oldest sport. It's the thing. It's the best athletes. The, the cream is yeah. always going to rise to the top. The mental aspect of the game. There's, there's yeah. so many things. It's like... 
that is the pinnacle for me of somebody right. being an athlete because yeah, for sure. human combat is something that's that's always been around. Yeah, and I mean, what goes into it as far as like the speed and athleticism and strength and power and yeah. coordination and you know all of that stuff. What I think means to be an athlete, right? The thing that always I have always been an athlete, and I, I love the physical aspect of things, but it's the mental aspect of fighting which really kind of sets it apart, right? You know I mean? Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I've had fights where, you know, looking back over my career, so I've had 32 fights combined with MMA and kickboxing, high boxing, boxing, whatever. And, you know, like your headspace going into a fight, like really dictates where you're going, right? Oh, yeah. And like, if you're just not in it and like in hindsight after a fight, I'm like, oh yeah, I knew it wasn't in it. And like, sometimes you just like, sometimes you just got to talk yourself into it, right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, I'm not backing out. So I'm fighting either <laughs> way. So fuck, I got to do it, right? Yeah. And it's like, you know what it comes down to you that I found is the training, man. Is like every time that I've put a proper camp in and like just put my body through hell and like trained as much as I could. And it was my number one focus. It didn't really matter if I won or lost because I always fought well. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I, my record is pretty good. I haven't lost too many fights, but the ones that I have lost, um, they're usually pretty good battles, right? Where it's like, okay, I'm okay with that one, right? Look a little, looking a little rough afterwards. Yo, man, yeah, I've had some rough ones, but like you know, I've had like three or four fight of the nights and stuff like that in mm -hmm. MMA. So, you know, I don't really count those as losses. Yeah, but uh, you know, going into a fight not prepared mm -hmm. you know where you're like oh shit i could have done more and like sometimes things happen you get injured or you get sick or something like that and you just can't train and i learned like a long time ago you know being an older athlete that you know you gotta fucking rest mm -hmm. you know what i mean like if you hit an injury or if you get sick like the old adage of like no pain no gain or push through it yeah. right like that kind of goes out the window i think as far as like right. you gotta let your body heal right the camps that you're doing mm -hmm. like the the confidence those must give to you you said like going into um going into the fight fully prepared yeah i can totally understand how if you give it 110% in those camps, I've done everything. I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've left it all on the on the floor at that yeah. point in time, and you just want to go into the fight. You just show up like the work's been put in. Yeah. You can't ever control who's showing up on the other side of the yeah. ring, but if you're fully prepared, I feel like that's got to be the best way to be mentally checked in and oh, give yourself the sure. most amount of confidence. And I mean, it goes back to having good sparring partners too, right? Like, I mean, I was at Toshido forever and there mm -hmm. was a couple UFC guys training there. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when you're sparring them constantly, like we had on Fridays, it was called the Full Contact Fridays where it was five five-minute rounds with the four ounce gloves right like straight up fight yeah for five rounds 25 minutes showing up for like, some pain man. man i haven't even fought into the second round before in any of my <laughs> fights right so like training for 25 minutes straight plus you know minute break that's yeah. half hour man that's you had uh, uh it was rory mcdonald was one of them yeah rory was there matt dwyer was there yeah. uh sarah morris was there there's a lot, of, a lot of fighters coming out of Kelowna, actually. Yeah. Especially yeah. out of that gym, too. <clears throat> to shoot yeah. Um, Shane Shaolin Campbell was there. Yeah. He's almost had 100 fights. Like, yeah, Toshido is definitely under Dave Lee. He's, like, you know, arguably one of the best MMA coaches in Canada, right? Yeah. So having a good coach, you know, as you guys know as athletes, right? Having a good coach and having a good team. Like, even though fighting is a very individual sport, it's also, you know, your team, right? Like, who's helping you train for the next fight? Yeah. I was, like, before Muay Thai, I had never had any combat sports experience, but I knew it was always something that I wanted to do. I firmly believe that in terms of, like, your mental aspect, like, knowing that you can handle yourself in a situation, yeah, right? Sure. Like, 
it's when you see someone who hasn't been in a fight and st- it's like whatever happens starts going down the fabric starts to sort of break apart yeah. and people who don't have the confidence to ha- sort of handle themselves yeah. like you see that massively impact on the way they react and the way they respond to a situation so for myself I always knew it was something that I wanted to I wanted to get myself into I was always hesitant to go to a group class mm-hmm. I mean I'm a fitness professional right. even when I go out guys are usually like trying to start shit yeah, yeah. just to, by the way that you look <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? for sure. just the way that you look yeah. and so like I always had a problem with that and I Going into a gym, it was just what you're saying. Like you need to trust the people that you're going to be sparring with because I fully know for a fact that a 130-pound guy who's very experienced is going to beat the fucking brakes off of me. Yeah. If he knows how to get inside and strike, I oh, don't, man. man. Yeah, I don't. For sure. Right? So, like, I need to trust the person that I'm going to be training with, especially when you're talking about brain trauma a lot of the yeah. time. Yeah. Man, and you always get, like, not always, but, you know, you go to the wrong gym and there's always the guy that's just waiting to tee exactly. off on you, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, new guy. Yeah, um, and he like boom. You're like yeah. I get it sometimes still, like with guys like they you know they know my record and stuff like that. I'm still ranked at number looking ten. Looking right? to prove themselves. And it's like turns into a scrap every time because you got to meet it, right? Yeah, yeah. taking I, too many shots. I really <laughs> wanted. I really wanted to avoid that. Like I wanted to learn the technique and sort of and, and get for confident. Sure. And I just I knew that if I was going to go to a gym, I'm not saying that this is for sure the case, but yeah. chances are that there's going to be somebody in there that like wants to prove a point. Yeah. It's going to kick me in the fucking head yeah. or something. So well, I mean that you know if you go to the right club, there are some nice, there are some good gyms around like that where they don't let that shit happen, right? Like mm. usually guys get checked pretty quick. If you're like that, I remember being at Toshido and guys would come in there like wanting to fight right away, right? Like, oh, I'm going to have a fight right away. And then they'd actually, you train with some fighters and you're like, oh, maybe not yeah. quite yet, right? Figure out how much especially, especially for jiu-jitsu. When I started, like, because I started fighting Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. And so like my first, I think my first eight fights were Muay Thai. And then it was starting to get harder and harder to find opponents like regionally. And so, and then I started boxing and then MMA started becoming a thing. Right. And so I wanted to make the transition. So I started doing jujitsu. And then once I started going on the ground with people, I was just flopping around like, you know, helpless Mm -hmm. and getting choked out by like 130 pound, like 14 year old kids. Like what? (laughs) Not cool, man. But yeah, definitely a humbling experience, but you know, got to learn the proper techniques for sure. Yeah. I mean, I started with Muay Thai. I like the, I like the idea of striking. It's been a lot of fun. The desire to fight. There's a certain mentality that I've always found fascinating. And that's something that I want to ask you about. Like, has the desire to fight always been there? Is it something that's sort of developed over time for you? Because I feel like as a society, that's something that they're trying to breed out of us in a lot of ways. And I don't necessarily think that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, how I turned into a fighter, I mean, I actually have a very, like, non-confrontational personality, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I was younger, I actually got bullied quite a bit. And because my parents moved around, we were, so I was always the new kid and, you know, you know, geeky guy, glasses, big teeth and like skinny <laughs> as hell. And so I was always getting picked on. And then I finally, you know, I was always a fan of martial arts movies and stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, I got tired of getting picked on. So I taught myself how to fight in the basement. I like leaned the, leaned a mattress up against the wall, practice my side <laughs> kicks and shit like that. Right. And then I remember, uh, I remember, I think it was grade four or something like that, this this guy cornered me. He like wanted me to fight. He was picking on me all day and he's like, we're going to fight. And I'm like, fine, after school. I just wanted him to go away, right? And then after school came and, and I was just terrified. I'm like, oh man, they're all chanting outside. <laughs> they're like, oh, I'm, I'm like, man, this is terrifying. 
And then I ended up go, I ended up going out there and I was like, whatever. And then he's like, comes at me and I did like a karate kid crane kick and it like landed and he dropped and I was like, Oh, and took <laughs> off running. And I'm like, man, I'm actually pretty good at that. <laughs> to become the most popular kid as a grade four. Yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, it went a couple years, but then, uh, you know, I got in a few street fights and then I realized I was pretty good at it. Right. And then if, once you can protect yourself and then I started competing like professionally and stuff like that, my confidence went up. So like situations I could easily deescalate them mm-hmm. because I'm like, I know I can fight. I can mm-hmm. fight a group of people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody's like in my face or the a situation calls for a confrontation, like it's pretty easy to deescalate it because I know where I can go with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, one of the problems that's happening now with all the police training and everything like that, they have like such a lack of training. So when something happens or they have confrontational situations all day long, mm-hmm. I mean, Vancouver's nuts, right? Yeah, right? So they're all just like ready to like react. And like, instead of talking, cause I don't think they do any really proper training. There are some police officers that, you know, do like jujitsu and stuff like that. But I mean, out of all the places that I've trained at, like maybe, there's one or two police officers there. Yeah. It probably, as a cop, it probably brings a level of confidence and calmness to dealing with those types of situations. And it's like everybody else is playing checkers. You're playing chess because you know, yeah. you're thinking a few steps ahead of what could yeah. happen and how you're going to handle exactly. that situation. And when you're like, when you know how to fight, you're just, if you've done it for so long, you automatically kind of size the situation up. Right. right. And especially if that would be your job, right. Like to walk in a situation immediately, you're sizing everybody up. Right. And I, I just don't think that that's a um, skill that they do or yeah. that they even teach really. Mm-hmm. When you look at a lot of the videos that have been coming out recently, it seems like a lack of confidence. Like the, you see the officer, they go yeah. for the belt right away. Like yeah. as soon as stuff starts going south, exactly like yeah. you said, right. N- not confident to, to anticipate or feel like they can physically do right. that situation. Even it's a fucking hard job. Man. The types, <laughs> the types of scuffles that you see them get into is exactly that. It's, it is a <clears throat> scuffle between them and, yeah. and the civilian. It's not a, often at least, it's not like a well-managed situation in terms of physicality. How would you you feel to be pushed all day long? Like people just in your face, in Mm -hmm. your face, in your face. And like, you're just seeing like the bottom feeders of the earth. You just (laughs) feel like you just get frustrated, right? But then again, it's their, it's their job, right? If you're, if you're not capable of like handling those situations. So I don't know exactly what sort of testing that they would do for that psychologically or whatever, but I'm sure there's something. It seems like I feel like I've known a lot of people that have tried to be police officers in BC and it tends to be a hard thing to get into for the municipal police departments. And then when you can't get into that, people seem to go into the RCMP. Right. Hmm. Right. Because they'll post you in the RCMP of nowhere. But I mean, there should be some minimum of mandatory fight training. You know what I mean? Like jiu-jitsu or grappling or something. I mean, the overall physical condition of some of the police officers you see running around, <laughs> you're like, I could outrun that guy. <laughs> yeah, right. It is sad when you see something like that. Like, it's it's definitely sad. Yeah. Since all this stuff has gone down, I'm sure that this is the case for everybody, but you are hyper aware if there's police around. Like, I'm... I'm, I'm oh, man. You, you can't help but check them out, and you're kind yeah. of like, like, how are these guys doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how are, how are y'all doing with this right now? And yeah. do you know what? It's a lot of... I've seen a lot of fit young guys yeah. in, in the police department around here, so right. I've got to be feeling got to be feeling pretty good about that. But in terms of the mixed martial arts disciplines, it mm-hmm. would seem that jujitsu should be the one that police officers are... 
Yeah. Sort I of mean, leaning towards. You don't really want it str- just striking, right? <laughs> like, they're just knocking everybody out. Mm-hmm. Throwing head kicks in the street. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool to see, actually. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, just learning how to control somebody, right? If that's being aggressive, like... Most people you see, like, I don't know if you ever, like, you're scrolling and you see, like, those street beefs and stuff like that or, like, just random street fights. Like, they're hilarious to watch, man. Like, no skill whatsoever. Jiu-Jitsu is also one of those things where you can see a significantly smaller human being mm-hmm. really handle a larger human being yeah. with, with technique and leverage. Man, and it's, su- it's surprising what they can do, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, even from underneath you, they just <laughs> kind of wait for you to get tired and then choke you out with your own arm. Um, Mark and I have a good buddy. His name is Tim, and he is a he's a black belt in jujitsu, and he's right. been doing jujitsu for probably over ten years or close okay. to fifteen years. Yeah. And we always joke. We'll be like talking about this fighter, and he's like, "Yeah, I could I could take him. I could take him." <laughs> Conor, Conor McGregor. He's like, "Yeah, I'd, I'd fight him." He's like, "I would just lay down on my back." <laughs> if we had to go in a strictly jujitsu fight, I could take him. I could take him. Half fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They throw they throw Tim into the shark tank. Where he'll go to a school and he'll be a black belt, and so they'll just give like one minute rounds, and he'll get like a fresh guy oh, out yeah. and he's just like <laughs> subbing people <laughs> all the way up. back. Has to pull the car over on the highway and throw up on the way home. <laughs> what uh, gym is he at? Uh, he's, he's in Airdrie, Alberta. He's in Alberta. So oh, yeah, okay, he travels quite a bit for work, so right. he gets around to right. to quite a few gyms there. That sensation of getting tired while you're in a fight is horrifying. Worse. It's a hor- horrifying experience. And I've had it happen to me a few times while I'm sparring. Yeah. Like my, my coach is very experienced, Bo. And, you know, he'll, like we'll spar for rounds and he'll yeah. kind of just like let you punch yourself out a little bit. Yeah. And then when you get tired and somebody <laughs> starts putting it on you, it's... Fucking oh. horrifying, man! It is the worst thing yeah. <laughs> ever. Yeah. Going to full defense mode at that point. You can't. You can't do anything about it. They're faster. They're fresher. They're mixing up and like bothering oh. your breathing. And Especially everything. if somebody's experienced. Like that was when I lost my title, the Habit title. I fought Dustin Joinson, and he was a Brazilian brown belt out of Puma on the island or whatever. So, anyways, he was undefeated, and he was like six five, two fifty. And I think I remember seeing a picture. He's a big, yeah, man. It was like, it was a crazy scrap, but his strategy right off the bat was to just lean on me and pull my arms, get me tired, get me tired. And I felt like, felt like I was just throwing bricks. Right. And yeah, it was, it was scary, man. It's scary when you're out of breath and somebody's like hammering on you like over and over and over again. Yeah. At what point did you Grayson decide to begin pursuing, like going from, the kid kicking his mattress in the basement to, to pursuing <laughs> formal training in martial arts of any kind. I was around 19 and I was just, I was just street fighting all the time. Right. I, you know, I've racked up over 200 street fights in my career. <laughs> and, uh, king, king of the streets. Yeah. King of the streets for sure. And my buddy said to me one time, he was a, he was in Thai boxing. He's like, Oh, you'll never be more than just a street fighter. And I was like, fuck you, man. Yeah. And so that was like 19. So I went and trained and then I had my first, my first kickboxing fight, I think at 18 or 19 and I got worked pretty good, but it was like, I'm like, Oh man, I was like hooked after that. 
after I started doing that, I wanted to learn. I'm like, okay, I wanted, to, I want to know the best martial art for fighting five or six people at one time. Yeah, <laughs> which was Muay Thai. Oh, okay, it's all like, it's all power shots, right? Like, boom, straight, like Muay Thai, right? It's straight, like straight shots, power yeah. shots, knees, people elbows, things that are gonna put people down fast. Yeah, man, exactly. Like, I don't know if you ever hit to the ribs with knees or anything that, or to the face. Like, it's not cool or elbows. Yeah, yeah. it's just savage, right? Because yeah. I've taken, you know, I've taken Taekwondo. I took some praying mantis kung fu. I took you know all those like traditional kind of martial arts were yeah. like this yeah and like that shit doesn't work man <laughs> <laughs> not at all it's more like a dance what's that yeah. uh, brazilian capoeira uh yeah capoeira. if you're like you know if you're good yeah. i don't want to like shit talk other martial arts or whatever but if like you're good at your one specific martial art if you're like a black belt at it yeah you know you're gonna do pretty good right right there are certain certain styles of karate like kyokushin and shotokan that are more like muay thai mm-hmm. they're like more aggressive guys like that like GSP was uh, I believe Kyokushin Kyokushin I think and uh, so guys like that or you know like a really good Taekwondo guy yeah. he's good at kicks right but then you gotta mix, mix it up if you're a good Taekwondo guy usually you don't have good hands unless you take boxing mm-hmm. right and then so it's like you know if you're really good at that but I mean I was just fascinated with Muay Thai right off the bat because it was just like it was just savage right mm-hmm. and then transitioning into the ground and know my good ground game, and like I didn't know any jujitsu at all. And the, so I see now after my career of like taking different martial arts and stuff, the number one discipline would probably be wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like you see lots of the champions now, mm-hmm. like wrestlers are just impossible to deal with. If like a good wrestler will just be on you, on you, on yeah. you, and their work ethic, just from like their training or whatever, they're yeah. used to cutting weight all the time. They're used to having matches every weekend, like guys from the States, and they're just grindy, man. So you get a wrestler that learns how to ground and pound, like like my jujitsu isn't great. I'm still a white belt, but my positioning and my grappling is pretty decent where I can get myself in a spot to do ground and pound, right? Like a knee ride or like elbows from mm-hmm. side control and stuff like that, which is, you know, that's what wins MMA fights. The guys that are really good wrestlers, they push the pace. And I feel like if you've ever even been in a wrestling match with a buddy, when yeah. you like a few minutes of that and you are a few minutes, gassed. bro, <laughs> yeah. 30 it's seconds. Yeah, it's man. like which bro can throw the other bro into a headlock first and then squeeze as hard as you can. Yeah. Right. Man, try doing it against like somebody knows what they're doing. Right? Yeah. So those guys that are experienced wrestlers, if you give them maybe a couple other tools in their arsenal, yeah, man. like they're going to be, they're going to be ground pound and like a call good shots because they're so quick at shooting in right and like you know as a heavyweight that's kind of one of my strategies to lessen the damage right I mean I've been fighting for 20 years so like I've taken a few bad shots so as far as MMA goes what the strategy that works for me is get somebody on the ground because as soon as I get them on the ground the percentage of power shots mm-hmm. taken goes way down mm-hmm. yeah. and you know as a heavyweight it's like you know I train for five rounds to fight but I mean that's I haven't had one fight go past second round. I mean, as a heavyweight, when you have two heavyweights on their feet, there's a puncher's chance basically at all times. Man, it can be over at any time. I mean, I've dropped guys in 20 seconds before, right? Yeah. Definitely the most exciting fights to watch as a uh, as a spectator, though. Yeah, man, you got somebody in there that's just like chucking bombs, right? Like, you know somebody's... It's, un- it's unpredictable. Yeah. Compared to like if you took two lightweights where you... 
are most likely not going to see one massive punch right. that's going to end the fight. As like a fight fan, I like those kind of smaller fights because you see a lot of technical stuff technical going way. on, right? Yeah. And they usually go longer, like, you know, a lightweight or bantamweight or featherweight that are going like, you know, championship fights are probably go five rounds, right? Yeah. And if you do like, you enjoy what well, you're a fight fan, then you mm-hmm. get to see like a pretty good fight. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the last time you saw even a three round heavyweight fight? Well, I guess Overeem and uh, Curtis Blades. I mean, as a business, the UFC is putting on so many fights nowadays and what they did through quarantine by just mm-hmm. making it work. Like Dana yeah. White is such a bad motherfucker. Yeah. I love that guy. Like in, in terms of sports commissioner, like I don't even know what you yeah. would call him. Yeah. He's a bad motherfucker, that man. It, yeah. it just He wouldn't take no for a fucking answer. Yeah. He's like, the fights are going on. It's going to be the only thing happening. Regardless of the fact that the UFC like wasn't making the gate, nothing yeah. like that. He's like, we're gonna make these. We'll go to international awesome. waters. He's yeah. like, fight he's like everything July is 11. everything That's is legal in Florida. We'll yeah. go to Florida. <laughs> yeah, we'll we know he's doing the he's doing the those three title fights in Abu Dhabi on Fight Island. Yeah, yeah. So he got where all the international fighters, right? Which mm-hmm. is wicked. I mean, that's the only sport I think really on right now, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's the only one. Yeah, basketball is coming back at the end of July. Pretty excited for that. Nice. Uh, yeah. In Disneyland, in Disneyland. Yeah, nice. yeah, that's what they're playing. Sweet. But yeah, the, the fact that like he did not slow down at all. They they must have ran what yeah. at least two or three events throughout the course of quarantine, right? Oh, at least yeah, man. They've been especially with the free ones. I thought was cool too. So he put on a yeah. bunch of free fights for people. Yeah. So only fights going on. And, like, that's a good way to get a bunch of new fans, for sure. If you're, yeah. like, that's a way to mono, uh, capitalize on the situ- situation, right? The only thing out there to watch. Yeah. And I remember Rogan having the winner in the in the ring, and he's like, and to, uh, to nobody in the crowd. <laughs> so, like, so-and-so. <laughs> oh, man, that was a weird thing to watch. Like, yeah. my first couple I watched, and it was, like, silence, just quiet, right? Yeah. And, like, I don't know. I've watched probably four or five over the last couple months, and it it seems like the quality of the card. I don't know if it's like because there isn't a distraction of the mm-hmm. crowd. Like it's just quiet. Like yeah. like so many good fights. Mm-hmm. People really seem like they're on yeah. point. Did you see that Mike Perry fight recently? No, he, I didn't. He came out and his girlfriend. He didn't yeah, have yeah. anybody in his corner. He just had his, oh, just a chick. He just had a chick yeah, in the oh corner. Like, you looking great, baby. And he's, like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah fuck, fucking beat the brakes off. Dude. That's yeah. awesome. And all the fighters on Twitter afterwards were like going nuts about it. It was oh man, that's hilarious. <laughs> man, honestly, it's whatever works, and it's like you know I've had fights before where you know I've just had my little brother in there, right? And it's like once you're fucking once you're there, like. Mm-hmm. Nobody's helping you, right? Mm-hmm. That cage shots, you're the only guy in there, right? Like obviously having a proper coach to guide you along the way and, and sparring partners and like for support, you like to have people there, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, the coach can call out a couple things, but you gotta have your fucking shit together, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can't rely on your coach last minute in, <laughs> in, the, in the cage, right? You're getting choked out, coach. What do I do, coach? <laughs> oh man, funny though. Uh, I think it was like three fights ago. It was that fight I had in Penticton, and uh, I fought this guy Josh Hines, and like this guy was a sleeper, man. I think he was two fifty or something, but he was like five eight. He was a super short guy, and he just I was like surprised by the way he moved, and he just like beat the shit out of me for two rounds, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna lose this fight in my hometown, and. Uh, I sit down on the sit down on the stool going into the third round. I think it's the only time I've ever been to the third round. And my coach says to me, he's like, I got a picture of it. He's shaking his finger at me. He's like, stop being such a fucking pussy. <laughs> Turn us into a street fight. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I can do that. 
I know that. Yeah. And then I ended up, I just went out and I think it was like, you know, 15 seconds in or 20 seconds in, I just threw a big haymaker and it landed and he dropped. <laughs> and then I got on, hit a bunch of times and it was over. That was a W? Yeah. Nice. When you're in the cage and the adrenaline's pretty high, I mean, I imagine you probably feel pain, but it's not nearly as significant as probably the pain you feel after a fight. When oh, I when sure. I first started training Muay Thai, because you see guys kick the fuck out of each other's legs and you yeah. see no reaction on their face. Yeah. Remember the first time I went chin on chin or got kicked in the leg or <laughs> got punched in the liver? Yeah. That one? Mate. Oh, yeah. Dude, the shin on shin, I felt physically ill, like sick to my stomach. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, it's, something, it's not my something pants, that's cool. When my pant leg would just brush <laughs> my shin like that, I, you know, like when you, like you yeah. your, oh, diaphragm, yeah, your diaphragm is yeah. like fucking up because it hurts A single tear so drops out of your eye. <laughs> man. Stay it, strong. Stay strong. <laughs> it would wake me up. The, sh- the bed sheets would yeah. go over top of it while yeah. I was like trying to sleep. And it got better. It got better and better yeah. as, you, as you kept kicking but oh sweet jesus christ man oh man it's savage. getting your legs kicked or just checking kicks is and it's like that's what my other thing i liked about muay thai like in the street fight is that not a lot of guys expect that leg kick man like <laughs> leg kick oh. to the leg kick to the thigh and like guys like are trying to catch it with their hands <laughs> like a baseball or some shit like whoa the hell is that I remember fighting this guy and he's like I gave him a leg kick I was eating a hot dog and he said something stupid I can't remember what it was but I turned around and I just like hammered him with a leg kick and he said whoa no kicking <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like man we're in a street fight oh it's pretty funny man that's the that's the first thing to do if you can get somebody off you with some type of kick. I mean, the danger is it'll probably go to the ground at that point. Yeah. Um, have you ever watched that Vice documentary? Like in China, traditional Chinese martial arts, like a really big sort of revered thing. And there was this Vice documentary about this MMA fighter who was going around and challenging all these like traditional Chinese like Tai Chi masters oh, yeah. and everything. So he was going into these dojos and like beating the brakes off of these guys who were like saying that like yeah. Wing Chun and everything was. He, but he was an MMA fighter. He was an MMA fighter. Yeah. Did you yeah. did you ever hear about this? I guy? think I heard something about that. Yeah, I've seen I've seen that. I think I saw a different a different video where a kung fu guy came into an MMA gym and challenged a, a UFC lightweight. I mm-hmm. think, and he schooled him, just dumped him. Yeah, I mean, you have to wonder. I mean, I guess if there's like this societal aura built up around this martial art, people are going to believe it's uh but this guy was getting death threats for going into these places. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you like, you think about it, you go into like a school and you just embarrass a guy yeah. that spent yeah. like 15 years getting his black belt in this ridiculous martial art. Like where you punch, throw punches from your hips, yeah. and like, yeah, probably very well respected in the in the community. Oh man, yeah, exactly, and it's just like it's embarrassing for sure. I mean, I think it's probably you've definitely seen uh, the Instagram page uh, McDojo Life. Yeah, yeah, that uh, shit's hilarious. Where they're like just the guiding martial, people to the ground, the fake martial arts. <laughs> I've never heard of that. You've never heard of that? Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, mate, there's an entire world out there. It's like cults. It's essentially like a a living, breathing cult. And these masters of whatever 
they use their voice to project energy or they use yeah. a chi to like wrestle people to the ground and they go in and they have these seminars and they give demonstrations. Oh man. There's this one where this guy, <laughs> they're not seen that. Oh, so funny, man. There, uh, there's one video there. There's two guys sitting across each other and like on their, on their knees. And they're basically the one guy is saying that he can like block and dodge all this other guy's shots. Right. And he's like, okay. And they're like sitting there and he's just like, they're doing slaps. Right. And then bike's like, bam, bam, bam. And the guy's just like, he just goes like this. It doesn't catch one. And then he's like, okay, okay. Right. And then the guy's like, bam, 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 bam. The guy's getting hammered all over. Oh man. It's hilarious. Man, if you cat like, like an old boss root and slap, if you get somebody with an open hand slap, yeah. that's brutal. Like I'm sure you've yeah. seen those, those, uh, those Russian slap yeah. fighting. Oh movies. man. Man, those are savage. Like that doesn't seem smart yeah. at all. <laughs> Man, those guys go down very hard sometimes. They just like one that must back up on the fucking table. Yeah. Let's keep Man, Have you seen the one? It's I think it's Russian where they do like they're holding on to arm wrestling yeah, table yeah. and they're fighting. Yeah. Oh, they're fighting like strapped, strapped to it, right? Yeah, and there'll, there'll be one guy, and it's like you have a clear shot of the guy's temple on the other side, and the guy's just like blasting the other dude in the temple. He's like clearly <laughs> That's unconscious nuts. And, and on the table. The coolest, the Russians do the coolest shit. So like, have you ever seen where it's like they do the the teams, the team fighting yeah. Yeah. five yeah, on five in like a huge yeah. like arena, like a Royal Rumble? Oh for yeah, sure. man, for sure. Yeah, it's nuts. Wait, there's those ones, and there's also the one where it's like they have it named as some like gladiator league or something like that. But there's teams of five, and the oct- it's not an octagon; it's a rectangle like yeah. this. Yeah. And so it'll be all five guys, and they'll pick one fighter to go at the start, and they'll go fight each other until one guy gets knocked out. Whoever gets knocked out leaves, and the next fresh guy comes up and fights that guy. And it's just like they'll oh, it's what? elimination That's down the single nuts. guy. And I, I watched one. That's where, like a relay. <laughs> <laughs> I watched one where the the one guy basically handed it to all like four of the other guys on the other team. Just so schooled the whole team, knocked them all out. Wow. Yeah. I feel like in Canada we have you know like like uh, townships where <laughs> yeah. there's not much going on and yeah. it's like what do you do here oh you drink and you fight yeah in a, russia they just think of these it. like how much further can we really push <laughs> yeah, it's like right. oh let's fight as a team yeah let's put some organization behind this <laughs> <laughs> i mean in the states they have those full contact uh like uh they're not gladiators they're like knights like they oh, wear the yeah, armor and shit, everything the you've seen wolf. that and they, they're swinging swords and like maces and Jeez. blasting each other in the head. Have you not no. seen that? Can you imagine like the old school jousting? Like yeah. on yeah. horse with the stick. Yeah. Like that doesn't seem smart. Like who's got the bigger stick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean the weapons aren't sharpened, but it's the same. I mean it's like 10, 12 guys versus each other and they're all in full armor. And the hilarious thing is none of, nobody can see anything because you're just <laughs> looking out of these little oh, slits. And so there'll be like some somebody will just come in from the side and just absolutely like with a shield cold cock somebody in the side of the head and drop them. Humans are nuts, man. It like goes back <laughs> to you saying like fighting being the oldest sport. Like it it's is. it's literally like in our DNA to like want to combat stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And my uh, one of my fight coaches, Mamba Coltar Gill, he's like one of the top decorated fighters in in Canada. He said to me like years ago, a true fighter or true warrior, like. If you're not training, like warrior can be, doesn't have to be a fighter. It can be like any sort of mindset, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not training for a fight or a competition or something where you can put your mo- your body and your mind 
to something, you end up like turning on yourself and people around you, right? You end up fighting yourself and causing problems for mm-hmm. yourself. Like that's why I'm still taking fights at like 41 because yeah. it like it just makes my life run smooth. Like when you have when you're competing for something, right? And you have that you have that end goal. It's like it keeps you from falling off track. Do you know what I mean? Like just going to the gym and stuff like that or just going for a run like that's good for like your overall health but mm-hmm. i feel as like a alpha male or upper upper echelon like athlete you know you have to constantly have that goal right like yeah. how many people do you see like fade out if it's just like you know like top sports stars like mm-hmm. hockey players when are they done right like 30s 40 mm-hmm. maybe yeah early mid 30s yeah like what happens to those guys I'm such a, a go-do crossfit. Yeah, exactly what you're saying. <laughs> I'm such a huge advocate for what you just said, and I want to relate it. To, like I'm a hunter. Right. Like, I, I hunt very avidly, and right. when I'm trying to explain hunting to people that don't understand it or like see something wrong with it, I go back to it's like you as a human being, you have an innate drive to hunt things and to like gather your own food, and the experience that you have when you're in the woods and you harvest a bear, you harvest yeah. a deer, whatever that is, yeah. you're speaking to an ancient part of yourself, and that's a that's For something sure. that you need to reward. And yeah. it's, I mean, I imagine it's very much the same with combat sports. I mean, as long as people have been around, there's been combat, and it's a dirty thing that for some reason people don't want to say nowadays, but. Yeah. There's, there's there's a fucking warrior class in society that that it feels good to stand up and yeah. blast somebody and physically dominate somebody yeah. else and that's and just to test yourself and yeah. to know that feeling you're like yeah I feel good about yeah. like you're in tune with your body and your mm-hmm. mind and your skill right yeah speaking to that too is no matter how much you hate a person as soon as you get into a physical altercation with them afterwards you'll both more than likely respect each other so much more. Yeah, and I think sure. oh, there's tons of people out there who have probably had very negative relationships with people that have formed very positive relationships and friendships yeah. out of just getting into a fight with each other. Yeah. So it comes back to that, man. It's like this primal need to just like, I don't want to relate it to just men, but like yeah. as men, it's like sometimes you just got to fight it out and then you yeah. can move forward with it from there. For sure, man. And like even my opponents and stuff like that, like I've never been one to, I don't really agree with like shit talking and fights and stuff like that. And how it's like, you know, I'm old school martial artist where it's like you bowing to like mm-hmm. people and shit like that. Right. Like I feel that MMA has taken a turn to where it's more of a sport now mm-hmm. as a, as opposed to like a martial art, like a traditional one. Yeah. Now there's MMA coaches, right? And right. you know, still some are like old school, like respect and stuff like that that you bow to, but now it's more like you have like a hockey coach or mm-hmm. a basketball coach or whatever, right? right. So you, you don't feel the need to have a persona. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I've kind of created a character for myself, but I mean, fighting is always one of those things. What a, One of the things I love about it the most is that you find out who you are, right? Like there's no, like once you're in there and you're fighting, like you better be who you say you are and who you portray yourself as because you're gonna find out right away. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you see some guy that's like shit talks another guy and says like, I'm not like, I don't like to shit talk people, period. It's just not my personality, right? But I can see why some guys do it 
for whether they need to pump themselves up or whether they're trying to do publicity yeah, for a like fight the and try to pump it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and you'll cause some drama and shit like that. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like it's gone way too far. I think there's I mean? a good example. There's a guy, uh, Colby Covington in the in the UFC, oh, yeah. and he's got the mega hat on. He's got like two <laughs> chicks on a boat. He's like, I'm fucking coming for you. Like <laughs> yeah, that. Right? Yeah, he's like kind of the end of the spectrum in terms of like... He's playing it up, right? Yeah, Which, yeah. you know, I see why guys like that do that. But I mean, for myself, I don't... I don't want to have a whole bunch of people cheering, waiting for me to get knocked the fuck out. Yeah. Right? Like, can't wait for this yeah. guy to get lose. He's gone. He's gone so heel in like that. Yeah. Can you imagine the pressure that he's just heaping onto himself by? Yeah, just ultimate like taking the ultimate villain card. Oh man, nobody once, wants to hang out with him. Once you set the precedent too, it's like that's who you are forever now. You I can't mean, be like, like oh, he's, but he's a pretty tough dude. Man. Yeah, he's, he's a good a, fighter. He's yeah. a good fighter for sure. I mean, it just wasn't my personality to go that way, and and I just don't think that you know I like to respect my opponents and like you know I'm friends with lots of the guys that I fought. Like when you fight somebody, you share that you share that bond that you don't have with anybody else and mm-hmm. you guys like beat the shit out of each other right so yeah. it's like something that you always have yeah i mean i think everything that we're talking about here is people getting back to like a more intimate understanding of what it means to be a human being and the things that make us tick and it seems like a lot of the craziness that we're witnessing nowadays is people drifting away from that and not understanding sort of like our nature and our roots and the things that you have to be in touch with. Mm -hmm. It's this, you know, whether you want to blame social media or urbanization, there's so many trends and forces right now, our political system, but people are just getting away from the things that really make you tick. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like getting out of touch with themselves. Right. And I mean, you know, when I was a trainer, uh, good life in Kelowna there, one of my things was holding pods for people and Mm -hmm. people are like, just you'd be so surprised like even like the you know middle-aged housewife like starts hitting the pads and just you can see their negative energy transfer out they're just like like you can just feel like the emotion in them right Mm -hmm. and like i just i think everybody (laughs) should picture your husband on the pad (laughs) right (laughs) feeling a lot better after like everybody loves to hit shit like me not everybody wants to fight and have that combative thing but i mean people just love to hit stuff it makes them feel primal right absolutely and i think that you know on top of doing that i think everybody should know how to defend themselves at the very least right I mean, like, I can't imagine, you know, being out in society and being worried that, you know, if somebody tries something, like, what am I going to do? Right? Like, if you're with your girlfriend or your family or whoever, right? Yeah. No, that's, yeah. I mean, that's a source of insecurity that is going to be a problem for a lot of people. And I mean, what do you, like... I mean, what do you do with that? Do you just tell people, oh, you got to learn how to fight more? Some people are just, like, dead against it, right? Yeah. But, I mean, you really hope that... With everything that's happened over this like last quarantine, people being shut out from physical exercise and getting in touch with each other, yeah. you'd really hope that one of the trends that you begin to see emerge is people, like we, and we've seen it already in the gym. We got lots of people coming in the doors like mm-hmm. wanting to get themselves physically active. I really yeah. hope we can continue to sort of ride this wave right now. 
Um, where people are like, you know, becoming aware of like what's really important to them, right? Yeah. To, when you know you have all of your for the majority of the population, like a lot of your freedoms taken away, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, well, what's really important? Like everybody's floating around and like, you know, there's just so many things flashing at you, this and that and that. Mm-hmm. And it's so fast and so much information all the time that nobody really has the time to sit to themselves and think about what they want, what yeah. they're all about, what their direction is going. All of a sudden, that's exactly what we had. And uh, Time out, everybody. Yeah, yeah. And it's on, like, on man, the, you can look at it one way. You can look at it like, you know, take what you can as a positive and, and try to come out stronger and ahead of the pack. Mm-hmm. Or you can just use this as an excuse of why you're not where you want to be, right? Yeah, I had a family friend actually who, his brother, uh, we found out had contracted COVID and ended up passing away from it. Oh, and we were just kind of like chatting about this in our family group chat about what had happened. And I said to the family, you know, if one thing can be definitely taken away from this is this guy's brother was very obese and he, yeah. the whole family, like his mom and his dad were obese and the mom had passed away a year prior from heart disease. And the one friend that we had was the one guy who was involved in fitness and had got himself kind of out of that uh, pattern yeah. of of an unhealthy lifestyle. And right. I just said to my family, like, if there's one thing we can really take away from this, it's the importance of staying healthy all the time. Yeah. And like, not, not saying all, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, diet starts Monday type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Because you can never predict when these things are going to happen. And when they do happen, you need to have a strong immune system. Yeah. You need to be ready to, you know, protect yourself and protect your body. And yeah, exactly. And going back to what you said about like dieting, right? It's like, you know, being healthy, you know, they say it's like a lifestyle, but it truly is, right? It's just how you are all the time. People going on different diets and the intermittent fasting and the keto this and everything. It's like, they're just like throwing all their faith into just that one thing, hoping that it works where it's like, just live a lifestyle where you're like focused on being healthy most of the time and don't mm-hmm. beat yourself up if you're unhealthy for a day. Yeah. yeah. We were having all these predictive conversations when the lockdown was happening we were trying to think about how people are going to respond to this and what their mentality is going to be like when they come back yeah and some of the things we were thinking about were okay are people going to have an understanding of what physical exercise does for immune system are they going to think about it on that level or are they just going to be bored and like want to come back to the gym and overwhelmingly so far people have just been bored (laughs) yeah well i mean i think it touches on human nature right it wasn't really a long enough space yeah i'm sure things change for a lot of people but a lot of humans just go back to what they're used to right the dialogue hasn't been created yet though yeah the places that people are going to get their information haven't started that conversation right you're not hearing it so i which is unfortunate because i think the thing people could have could have and still will benefit from most is is having information in the media that's discussing like these types of preventative measures yeah such as just like keeping yourself healthy and living a healthy active lifestyle yeah and even man like uh they were saying like you know one of the best things for your immune system is vitamin d and the best place to get vitamin d from is not here yeah it's like (laughs) outside vancouver (laughs) yeah not vancouver (laughs) but outside and getting in sun and then the number one thing we're being told to do is like stay home, stay inside. And a lot of people took that very, very little, literally yeah. to the point where they're not even leaving their house oh, for man. like a solo walk. Some people are like, it's got them shut. Yeah. So it's like, you're, you're not even realizing you're putting yourself much more at risk by, for sure, by staying inside and by, you know, playing video games. I mean, I've played some video games myself, yeah. but uh, yeah. you gotta, you gotta keep yourself active. Did you guys 
Do you guys know who Eddie Hall is? Is yeah. that the he's, powerlifter? He's that he's like the world's strongest man. Yeah, yeah. Did you see the open letter that he wrote to Parliament? No. So, like, it's always interesting when you see somebody like Eddie Hall. He's obviously like a very physical. He's going to fight that other. He's going to fight half the the two giant dudes. Like that'd be nuts. They're cutting from four hundred (laughs) pounds. He he wrote this letter that I thought was pretty interesting. He said, "Today I'm one of the lucky ones. Winning the world's strongest man title has given me a high public profile and opened the doors of opportunity, which mean I now have the luxury of being able to train." These days using my own gym equipment in my own home. But it wasn't always that way. He's like, um, I've spoken openly, openly and honestly about how when I was a teenager, I suffered from anxiety and depression, turning to drugs and alcohol and getting expelled from school. I would lock myself in my room for months on end. At my lowest point, would even contemplate trying to kill myself. Exercise and fitness became my passion, my distraction, my drive, my outlet, my reason to carry on, my savor. Talks about how the gym is like his happiest moment. Mm-hmm. He goes, millions of British people have been using visits to their local gym for the exactly the same purpose releasing pent-up frustration and pressure and giving them motivation to face the future in the best possible health. But while the vast majority of the UK has now been permitted to release the lockdown, the government continues to deny gyms and pools the chance to do the same. Um, this same government, is, which is quite happy to reopen pubs across England on July 4th, giving people license to drink themselves into oblivion. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to talk about like, what type of message is that sending to people? Yeah. We're going to lock up fitness facilities. And I, I agree with everything he has to say there. Like, people need to release the energy oh, from their batteries. Sure. And what do they do? They're going to open up the pubs instead. And people it's are going to go somewhere. You're getting that energy, either whether it be the gym or the pub. Mm-hmm. It's going, it's got to go somewhere. People are going to be sitting around in close quarters, just boozing themselves to death, yeah. which is what most people did over quarantine. Let's be totally yeah. honest. I drank a record amount of tequila. Why <laughs> <laughs> not, right? No shit. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, it might lead people to reassess. Like, liquor stores were one of the main essential services yeah. that were kept open. and yeah. it, I mean, it might lead people to reassess the like how essential a fitness facility or keeping people well, in position. Well, if you think, were. like, mad alcohol is such like a poisonous thing and but there's people that like they need that shit right yeah so i think maybe being essential is like you know there'd be a lot of sick people if they didn't yeah like how fucked up is that keeping people in also man i mean yeah like if they if they were to close down liquor stores people all of a sudden have like yeah Yeah. it's like you're keeping the the public at bay by just keeping them a little bit tipsy and letting them just stay home, get <laughs> drunk on care, FaceTime. Right? Yeah. They yeah. get they just get drunk and like, oh, whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah, I was told that they kept the liquor stores open for exactly what you said, anticipating that if they closed them up, they'd have so many people going through withdrawal, then it would overload the hospital system more than they were already anticipating with. Yeah, that's what they say, but it's probably taxes. <laughs> like they're not gonna say that. They're like, man, that's our main thing. <laughs> Where do you think serves <laughs> coming from, bro? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, People are boozing relentlessly. Yeah. So with your training, Grayson, um, how many days a week are you focusing on specific strength and conditioning workouts versus your actual technique training? Uh, It usually depends on when my fight is. So for probably the last... The last five years, I've I've set it three months out. Mm -hmm. So if I know that I'm going to fight somebody, I usually know... A little bit in advance right so or I can predict when because it's usually in the winter time or it's in the spring mm-hmm. so I don't have an opponent I usually know when the fight's gonna be right so three months out uh, that's when I'll start 
I'll do my, like my heavy lifting and like all my strength training, right? Like mm-hmm. five by fives or like, you know, one rep max type stuff mm-hmm. and just try to get like the build up that strength because doing, I found when I do the heavy lifting and, and the fight training, I'm getting injured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just too much on my body. Right. Yeah. So I'll do that. Uh, I'll start at three months out for a month. And then I'll switch the second month. I'll switch to hypertrophy training to put on some mass because I'm fighting heavyweights, right? And so that's when I'll do. And then I'll start doing the fight training, but I'll be doing mostly like bodybuilding workouts and stuff like that and try to get up to like 250. And then the last six weeks to a week out from the fight, I'll lay off the weights. And because I put more mass on, then I kind of come back down a bit. Because mm-hmm. as soon as I, as soon as I start doing sparring and jujitsu, and I'm training twice a day, and I'm running, uh, the weight just comes right yeah, off of me. Mm-hmm. And then I usually find I settle at about two thirty-five. What does men like as you're going through that strength phase, that hypertrophy phase, you're looking to put on? What does the nutrition look like through all that? Because especially when you hit that point where you're doing the two a day yeah. martial art workouts, you must be like the expenditure must be so high even just to maintain yeah. your weight or not like not plummet in weight loss. Yeah, it's pretty much, uh, especially trying to stay at heavyweight, right? Depends. Cause I fought, I was actually the first, uh, the first fighter in Canada to fight in the cruiserweight category. Hmm. And that was two, two fights ago, mm-hmm. which was 225, mm-hmm. which is a good weight class because it goes from light heavy, which is 205, all the way up to 265, that's 60 oh, pounds, damn. right? That's a pretty big spread. Yeah. So like having the 225 weight class was awesome, but uh, but usually if I'm trying to stick around 240, 245, I'm eating, I'm eating tons. And uh, I've tried it before, you know, Cause you want to look good in there too, right? So I'll start like leaning off the carbs, and I just find I get beat up. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you know you got to dial it right in. You got to keep the gas tank full. Yeah, pretty. It's pretty much everything though, right? Fighters, it's so interesting. It's a um, genetics has got such a big part to play in how you're gonna physically look when you're in yeah. your best shape. Yeah. You'll see a lot of fighters who are like diced up veins, like yeah. cut up deltoids and biceps yeah. and everything. And then you'll see fighters like Fedor, who looks like he just <laughs> came from every buff- buffet in, yeah, that's in the, Russia. That's the thing is like, you see like, What's going to beat the shit yeah. out of you? Or like look at Nick Diaz, man. I wouldn't be scared if I saw that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the guy would school me and it's like... Yeah, it's deceiving, man, because you're like, you know, you're, you're fighting in front of a bunch of people and you want to look like you're in shape, right? But, you know, the aesthetics over performance mm-hmm. is just a bad plan to go yeah. to, right? And then you get a complete anomaly like Roy Nelson, who's somebody who's got a 40-pound <laughs> barrel on the front of him, but he's yeah. got cardio like crazy. Yeah, and man. And a beard on And good well. jiu-jitsu, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, I learned a long time ago, like, not judging a book by its cover, because it's like, you just never know who's, like, an absolute animal. Yeah. Um, Grayson, you've held, like, a couple titles now. Mm-hmm. So tell us about, like, the, what those title runs look like. Like, what was the, the fights leading up to them, and then the final camp leading up to the title where you, or the fight where you won the title? Oh, man, well, I started, I started MMA in Red Deer, because that's where I was born, so I got family there and stuff, right? And so it's a pretty big fight town. So shocker, seven, shocker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah. Right. And, uh, so I started, I started out there and I was literally the first, the first fight of the night. And I'd come from, I remember, I remember being there and, uh, it was in wintertime 
And like, typically I had worked up in Muay Thai to like main event, right? So I was kind of thought that I'd be somewhere in the middle of the card. But uh, I get a phone call and they're like, I was like, I was out at the grocery store getting my wraps and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, you're up first fight. And they're like, you got to be here. You're fighting in like 20 minutes or half an hour. I was like, what? <laughs> Start warming up. In yeah, the well, <laughs> I literally, I got there, right? And they like wrapped my hands right away. Like they were waiting for me. And I, I literally went in there, got my hands wrapped. I sprinted to the one end of the building, sprinted back, and then went out to fight. <laughs> and it was like literally to this day, one of my, probably my favorite fight. I ended up losing a split decision. It was a hometown guy, but it was like... You know, it was just, it was back and forth. It was my first amateur fight and it was back and forth, super dynamic and it was just full tilt. So that's kind of what got me hooked. And I'm like, so I started at the bottom and I'm like, well, Red is a cool place, you know? Mm -hmm. And then they, they wanted me back cause it got fight of the night, right? So, nice. you know, I ended up coming back and they go, I was kind of like climbing up, climbing up, and then they're getting me better fights against their top guys. I was always the villain going out to Red here though. Like nobody knew that I was from there except for my family and mm -hmm. friends, but I was always fighting the, the hometown guy, right? So I'm like always- What uh, what federation was that in? Uh, that was, I started for PFC and then my I moved over to Havoc. Okay. And that was what my yeah. belt was for. And uh, so yeah, I eventually fought my way up to a title shot. And I was like, holy shit, man. I'm actually, and then I was like, you know, up until this point, like even my first couple of MMA fights, I wasn't like doing it as a career. I didn't think I was going anywhere. I just like to fight people, right? And it like made my life run smooth and it was like a sport that I was good at. And like, you know, fighting is badass, right? <laughs> and so I hadn't put too much, you know, I'd worked at it, but I hadn't worked at it like a career or anything like that. And then I got my title and I'm like, oh, maybe I might have a chance to go to UFC or even Bellator or something like that, right? And so I put like a little more effort into it. But once you get once you get a title and you get closer to the top ten, and then you're fighting, you know, you're fighting like the top ten in any weight class. Mm -hmm. They're all t they're all tough guys, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, when I lost my title, that was kind of my window for going anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I started getting older and. I thought my plan was to retire. I tried. <laughs> it didn't work out so well, but I think I've retired twice now. <laughs> but it's like, man, it's a hard one to stop. Right. Because I feel, you know, I always told myself if I feel like I'm outclassed or I just get schooled by somebody, I'm like, I got no business being in there. I'm like, then I'm, I'm okay with walking away. I've like, I proved myself. I made it to number five in Canada. I got titles. Like I got nothing left to prove. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've, I've still, to this day, I'm still getting better. I'm still getting better. And, like, you know, I'll train with guys in their 20s and, like, I'm holding my own against everybody, mm -hmm. right? Like, top guys around. So, and, like, what it does for my life outweighs, like, the cons as of now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've taken some I've taken some damage. So now when I get, you know, I've pretty much taken sparring off of my plate, right? Sparring like like tough heavyweights. Yeah. Like I'll touch spar some guys that are a little bit lighter and I know that are more technical, but you know, I've had so many wars just in the gym sparring and stuff like that. And then I've had, you know, some pretty serious fights, you know, when I was in the top five. And you know, the damage has been there, yeah. you know, so, and I can tell like the last two times that I've, you know, take gotten a concussion, I get sick for like 10 days right away. Oh, and I'm man. like, oh man. And so that was two fights ago. 
And then I'm like, okay, I'm pretty much done. And then they offered me the title fight. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, one more. <laughs> and uh, just because I want, you know, I want to finish out my, my fight career on, on my note, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, I put everything I had in the training and to fight this guy and like, just like had so much rage in me. I would just like, I'd be screaming and driving the car and punch the steering wheel and I'd just like put it inside. I'm like, bottle it, bottle it, bottle it. And then I'm getting ready to release rage on this guy and then they cancel it, right? So like that's still, all that shit's still in there. Yeah. And you know, I want to go out on my terms, right? And as a champion, getting a belt back, mm -hmm. it's like a symbolism to me and like to whoever else that you know like after I lost my title that was like kind of the start of losing a bunch of shit I lost a relationship I lost a bunch of money I lost my house lost a front tooth I got kicked <laughs> in the face lost friends right so it was just like man it was just a solid couple years of just like losing shit losing shit losing shit and for me like I, I've like been on top and I've lost shit before like a number of times so I know what it takes to get back mm. And so like having this next title fight, you know, whether I win or lose or whatever, it's a symbolism of like pulling myself out of a shitty spot again, you know? Yeah. And I like, you know, being 41 years old and I'm still fighting guys in their twenties and the, the, this guy's ranked number two, I think in Canada or something like that. And it's just like, you got to test yourself, man. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Like when you actually swing for some swing for the fans, you surprise what you hit. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing that I've always heard is if you're questioning whether you should be doing it, yeah, fighting is probably not like, you know, you see so many guys, you know, they have a career in the fight game and then they're just, their mindset changes eventually, yeah, right? Like you sure. see, they're just not invested in it. Man, anymore. you just get like, you know, lots of guys get married and have kids and stuff like that. And it's pretty hard to like be a savage at fucking work and then like turn that off and go home or vice versa, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have either. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fighting in itself, I get nervous before I spar. Like, yeah. I get an, – it's an uncomfortable feeling in my stomach, like, before I go spar somebody. I can't even imagine – like, when I, when I think about fighting professionally, I think about, like, the minutes in the locker room before yeah. things are happening and, like, the walk out to the tunnel and sort of the adrenaline and everything you're experiencing there. That's got to be such a massive hole to fill when it's not going to be there anymore. Yeah. And you see it a lot with professional athletes mm -hmm. when they don't have the, the bright oh, lights. Man. Mm -hmm. Like, giving up, like, something that you're known for and has, like, provided me so many outs of, like, bad life, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I would have been screwed if it wasn't for fighting. And it just constantly, you know, my life started getting out of control or, you know, doing too many bad things, the kid take a fight. Fight always set me straight. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's a hard one to retire from because mm -hmm. it's like, you're, it's who you are, right? Yeah. So knowing that, do you put time into thinking about the future? I do. Yeah. Actually, um, one of the reasons that I, I moved down here, I'm pursuing like a, a stunt acting career. Okay. Yeah. So like, which is totally different, you know, I've trained with some stunt guys and film fighting and real fighting are like pretty much complete opposite. <laughs> That's like, so like real fighting, you're, you spend so much time like acting like it didn't even phase you, right? Like you didn't even get hit at all, but really you're in super bad pain. And then film fighting, you don't get hit at all, but you have to like sell it and chuck <laughs> yourself across the room. And it's just like, I think that that 
will be a good choice for me because, you know, feeling, like you said, filling the void of being a full contact fighter for, you know, the majority of my life, I got to do something pretty like exciting. Yeah. And, you know, lighting myself on fire and jumping up buildings seems like it might be it. Yeah. Vancouver is definitely the place to find that too. Man. And it's like, it's weird. It's weird. Just the things that line up and, uh, you know, like synchronicities and stuff like that. And like, I'm a huge believer in like when you're on like that positive wave, right. And like people around you are on that positive wave and positive energy. And like, you're just, you got a goal in your mind and you're just around good people and good environment. Like shit just starts falling into mm-hmm. place in your lap. Right. And it's like being, having the, the mindset and ability to pick up on these things that are happening. You're just like, wow, that's like, happens so much where you're like that is just so weird but then it's like not weird yeah things things definitely have a way of working themselves out yeah and I always find that it's when you have discipline in one area of your life it tends to then open up doors in other spots Mm -hmm. you know you you mentioned before when you're on a slide things tend to slide right like you have Mm -hmm. sort of that domino effect and what you talked about like I'm a Mm -hmm. firm believer that you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time for sure 100% And if you're going to surround yourself with people that are driven and positive, mm-hmm. that in itself is going to create opportunity and open yeah. up doors for you. hundred yeah. percent. And I mean, it just like narrowing, narrowing your focus down, right? Like don't being distracted by all this shit out there. It's just like, Hey, what's your goal? And like, who are your few people that you're hanging around that are like, mm-hmm. not necessarily going to get you that goal, but are like, you know, see. similar wavelength. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, say you're in a bad relationship you're going this way you're in a bad relationship that's constantly trying to knock you off direction right and it's like incessant sometimes mm-hmm. until you're like until you either ditch that or find somebody or something that is going in the same direction like you know it's pretty easy to get thrown off task i feel like for so many people nowadays one of the people in that five people mm-hmm. that surround you that influence you the most you can like classify one of those as their social media yeah. and that and their social media is like a yeah. constant negative derailer for so many people on a regular oh, basis man. it's like if you're going to take that equation you have to think about all of that other information that you're exposing yourself to i'm saying this yeah. i'm going on a rant i deleted instagram <laughs> a few weeks back oh buddy i do it all the time <laughs> then i'll get back and i'll delete again <laughs> Oh, I, I've, I've, I don't think I'm going back, man. It has been so nice to just check out on all that. Uh, do you realize like how much time by not having it, how many times you check to go for it? And you're like, holy fuck, I was too on there a lot. Like maybe when, if I was like sitting on the can or something yeah. like that, there was a yeah. couple of times I would go yeah. for it, but I get, get the numb legs after a while. You're like, Jesus, how long have I been doing this for? Yeah, man. <laughs> I threw a book in there and, and that's, that's working out well. That's good, man. Yeah. It's for me, like Facebook is just everybody is like blasting their opinion at you all the time. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. so opinionated about everything and they feel like one person says their opinion and somebody has to say something to argue it. It's like, why? And now Just it's chaos. Now it's also reached a point too where it's like, if you're not voicing an, an, an opinion, no matter yeah. what the opinion yeah. is, that's also bad. What? I know it's just crazy times right now, man. Just like, me, I'm in, I'm out in the bush and I'm just like being a healthy man and just like doing my thing. The, the latest crazy thing, and again, somebody talked to me about this one, was they 
put a post up saying happy Canada Day. Yeah. They were like celebrating Canada Day. And they started getting all these messages about how it was wrong to be celebrating Canada Day because you're celebrating the colonization of another people that happened 400 years ago and you're being insensitive to them. <laughs> Get over like, it, man. <laughs> it's just like, wow. Yeah, that's where people are at. They just like, you know, I heard a, a theory one time that was because we haven't, this generation hasn't had a war or anything or any major conflict to distract, like, you know, there was World War One, the Civil War, World War One, World War Two. Where everybody kind of united as a country to mm-hmm. like, you know, work together. Get to, behind something. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like, you know, it goes back to the warrior thing, right? Like if you don't have conflict to like, you know, you end up turning on each other. And like now we have social media where people feel the need that they can disrespect other people because they're not right in front of them. And it's like, yeah, man, that's keyboard warriors instead. Yeah. It's just like, you can tell people have never been beat up before, right? Like you just, <laughs> you just don't. Anybody that some like, of y'all have never been beat up, and it shows. <laughs> it shows. Yeah, you saw that one. Right? <laughs> oh man, yeah. good stuff. It's 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 sad, but I'm, I'm definitely enjoying my time away from it right now. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you gotta. I mean, you gotta take it with a grain of salt, man. I've I've had my time away from it as well, but I, I prefer to prefer to stick to it. I like to to watch from the sidelines too. Yeah. <laughs> what about you guys? You gonna compete in anything or? I think the next thing for me would probably be an Olympic weightlifting competition. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely my favorite modality of exercise. Man, there's not a lot of room for error in that shit, eh? There's not. Um, but there's only so many times you can go into the gym and lay down on the bench press. It's yeah. just that shit is boring after a while. There's no yeah. skill set to it. For sure. And Olympic weightlifting is a discipline. We had we had a seminar on it today, and yeah. I was teaching mm-hmm. a bunch there's of lots trainers. There's and I was trying to explain to them. I was like, "We did. We spent forty-five minutes on this today. You have to. You think don't know how to snatch. It's like <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. like, "This is learning to play the, the an instrument. This yeah. is like think about this as like learning to play the violin. This is yeah. a process that's gonna literally take you years before you get even good at it. Like, yeah, like respectable at yeah. it. And that's what I'm looking for. Like when I go in Olympic lifting, is you're gonna have good days, you're gonna have bad days, but. It's like hitting a golf ball, man. When you hit a perfect golf shot, like exactly what you wanted, that's the golf shot that's going to get you back on the golf course the next weekend. Same thing with a snatch. You're going to have days where you're like, have I ever fucking done this before? Like, dude, am I an asshole? Do I know what I'm doing? And then you're going to have days where you, everything clicks, everything's dialed in. It feels good. And you're constantly going to be chasing that high. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've been looking at actually getting into. I've never in my life taken a martial art, so I've been talking about getting into oh, jujitsu. Yeah? There's, I just saw across the street there. What is that? What is yeah, superior? so superior right yeah. there. What is that? Is uh, that like a family kid type thing yeah. or what? Yeah, and then also there's one up the road just by Popeyes called GFT, oh, yeah. um, Grappling Fight Team huh. that just opened up. Yeah, cool. um, that I've been looking into. So that's yeah, man, somewhere local. There's probably lots of stuff around here. Yeah. 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 If Ben yeah. goes, I have to go. I can't, I, can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't let him get the upper hand. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, signs up next day. There's, there's yeah. no way. That I'm going to run the risk of being choked out. <laughs> <laughs> Come over. Hey, man. Uh, Lay on the floor. Let's go. <laughs> right on. Awesome, man. Grayson, it's been a slice having you on the Cool, uh, man. Podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Lots awesome of good insights. uh, much appreciated and best of luck with your next fight man thank you for all the insights thank you buddy you got that rage rage bottled (laughs) up you're looking to get out (laughs) let it go poor steering wheel oh man crying in the ring (laughs) I hope not hell yeah man alright right on bro